Welcome, one and all, to episode 144 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we've got a battle of, well, two different approaches in building a team in Super Bowl 56, but we don't really care about that, do we? We're, we're in an odd situation, right? I mean, it's Bengals against Rams. So I'm assuming that we're going to be rooting for against each other when we when we watch the Super Bowl together in Vegas in a couple of weeks. Um, but I'm certainly not going to root for the Bengals, even though I love Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. Uh, as a Cleveland Browns fan, I can't in good conscience root for a division rival to win the Super Bowl. And in your case, you've kind of got the same thing going on with the Rams. You can't root as a Cardinals fan. You can't root for the Rams. So you're going to be sitting there pulling for the the Bengals, I assume, and I'll be rooting for Matt Stafford and the Rams. Yep, and I mean, I guess it just goes to show, really, there are there is more than one way to skin a cat, and you know, the Bengals did it really through the draft and building that way, and and you know, the Rams built some pieces through the draft, but you know, most of it was trades and free agency and, and just you know, big ticket moves. Um, and that leads us to, what well, Senior Bowl week, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, and, and the Senior Bowl is kicking up. We've got kind of a, you know, we had the NFLPA Bowl on Saturday. That that game was played. And then the Shrine Bowl is still going on. Practices are ongoing. That game is going to be played later in the week. And the Senior Bowl week is kicking off starting today. And so today we had everybody's favorite event, the weigh-in which is no longer they, – they don't gather and watch the guys do it anymore, thankfully, because some of the commentary on that bordered on creepy. But the uh, weigh-in was today. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the interesting numbers that came out of the weigh-in and what, what kind of draft implications those are going to have. But first I want to start off uh, with something that I read before the weigh-in and that is Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay weighing in on the Senior Bowl quarterbacks. And one of the first things I read this morning was that Todd McShay said that Kenny Pickett will have the smallest hands we've seen in quite some time. And we're going to circle back on that in a minute. But I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Definitely not something we didn't know, right? You and I have talked about that a number of times this year. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't a surprise by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I think it's just going to be one of those things that I he plays. I'm pretty – he plays with two gloves on, right? Doesn't he yeah. play with a glove on his throat? Yeah, Bridgewater hand? style. Yeah, so, I mean – and I can't remember who said it. Was it McShay or, or somebody talked about, you know, it's not like he was playing in Boca Raton, right? Like he played in Pittsburgh. So actually, yeah, that he, was Jim Nagy defending him. Oh, okay. Uh, telling so, you it's not a big deal. You know, of course. And so, I mean, here's the thing I'll say about it. It's less than ideal, but the fact that he's played in Pittsburgh and had success in Pittsburgh, I think lessens – the concern of it, it's not like he played in Southern California or Arizona or Texas, you know, or, you know, in even like Oklahoma or one of the dome stadiums, right? Like he played in crappy weather Pittsburgh and, 
you know, yes and I, no. I, think, I mean, I don't know I think how, there's how crappy th- does the weather get between, you know, you're not talking about NFL where they're playing late in November, late in December in some of these really, really bad weather games. I mean, does anybody have on, on tape an example of Kenny Pickett throwing in a bad weather game? Or are we just assuming that he threw in many because he played in the Midwest or in a, you know, in in that area? Yeah, and that's fair. And, and one of the things I'll say about Pickett is that um, you and I aren't necessarily high on him as like a first round guy anyway. So I don't think the, I don't think either of the situations with his hands are going to change how we feel about him. Would you agree with that? Right. And, and I, I want to, you know, come back to this when we talk about what actually happened today, because McShay wrote this prior to, and I also want to assure our fans, I, I do know a little U S geography. I didn't mean to say Pittsburgh's in the Midwest. I just kind of got my signals crossed, but you know, ACC country, either way, I, I you know, think back to uh, when Deshaun Kaiser was playing at Notre Dame and they were playing in like hurricane conditions in NC state. I don't think we have a, a tape on Pickett where he's playing in like a driving rain. We had that with Kaiser. We had that with Mitch Trubisky when they were in, in the ACC, but I can't recall off the top of my head. Maybe I'm forgetting something or maybe I have to go back a couple of years, but I don't remember seeing an example where Pickett was really playing in, in the bad weather, but we'll get back to Pickett in a minute. Um, the one thing, the other thing I read this morning that was interesting to me before anybody weighed in was that both McShay and Kuiper both seem to think uh, that it's going to be Malik Willis who's going to emerge from this week as the quarterback one. You and I have speculated on this. Um, I, I had said I thought it would be Pickett. Uh, we talked about somebody. Uh, we talked about Scott Bischoff's tweet about how Lions fans should should keep an eye on Sam Howell, but. Kuiper McShay, especially McShay, uh, flat out said it, that he thinks Malik Willis is going to emerge as quarterback one uh, coming out of this week. And I find that pretty interesting uh, that he has that take. And he really focused on the same kind of things we've been focusing on with Willis all year, which is the physical skill set. Yeah, and the interesting part of that is looking at – how Willis played this year and, and, you know, the raw upside, if you will, of, of that skill set, And it again comes down to something, you and I've talked about it. We're not necessarily advocating that he should be a first round quarterback in this class, as much as we're saying, you know, for you, he's quarterback one or, or two in this class. And I think, I think those two things are, are, I don't want to say misconstrued, but I think those things get, like you said, the, that that sentiment can get crossed. Like, oh, well, if you have Malik Willis number one in the class at quarterback, he has to be a first round player. And you're like, well, no, I just don't have any first round quarterbacks. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, you can do that. Like, that is le- that is a legal opinion to have. I know most people don't think that, but yeah, it's you're allowed we, to not had think that a quarter. I'm sorry, we had that take in 2016 with Goff and Wentz. We didn't think there were any first-round quarterbacks that year. Um, both Goff and Wentz at one point looked like they might have been worthy of those high picks, but that did not last. That did not hold up. So think of this class 
I kind of I know some people have compared it to 2013 when EJ Manuel was the only first round quarterback, um, and that was another year that was similar to this where people just did not did not think there was a quarterback worthy of a first round pick, and that's kind of where we are. Um, but I, I think um, we've been I I know I've had Willis as my quarterback one pretty much throughout this season. You had Corral ahead of him. But you had Willis number two, so it's to see Kuiper McShay now they're coming around to this. It's I think it says something well, about what might be they might be hearing in the league too. Exactly, exactly what I was going to say is they're coming around to what the NFL is saying, and that's you know the big thing. You know to round back into to pick it real quick. I think, and I know you have concerns with the hand size. My bigger concern is this in in. Four seasons, and, and they weren't full seasons. So we'll say three seasons as a starter. Um, well, and the, and the ACC did play a pretty full schedule in 2020. Yeah, he played nine games. So yeah. 14 games, 12 games, 14 as a sophomore, 12 as a as a junior, and nine as a as a I guess redshirt senior before he came back as a super senior. He threw 39 touchdowns, or sorry, uh, 38 touchdowns. He threw one as a freshman back in 2017. Um, and then he had 42 this year. Is That's my concern. Is this similar to what we see in pass rushers, you know, where you and I talk about that one big year? You know, they don't have, you know, because he was a 12 and six guy, a 13 to nine guy as a junior and a senior. And then he went 42 and seven. Now that's not to say guys can't improve. That happens all the time, but that's a, that's a massive changeover. And, and it comes at the same time that you have one of the best wide receiver prospects in all of college football to utilize, you know, really fully for the first time. Right, um, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of factors. I think it's a um, a product of Pickett getting comfortable in the offensive system and having a chance to have the same kind of offensive system for a few years. It's a product of him uh, maturing as a as a quarterback, seeing the field better, um, probably working on some of the things that he was more deficient on early earlier in his career. He's a good athlete with like pretty good arm. It's not a great arm, but it's a good enough arm. Um, and he's playing, you know, at this point he's, he's going to be 24 years old. He's playing against younger uh, opponents. So there's a combination of factors at work here. And that led to a breakout season and where he finished third in the Heisman voting. But now, now the people want to compare him to people that like him. They want to compare him to, to Joe Burrow and the way he broke out. And I just don't think it's a great comparison because where you had Burrow, <clears throat> he was at, at Ohio State where they had guys ahead of him on the depth chart, guys ahead of him, a, a guy ahead of him in Dwayne Haskins who was drafted in the first round, regardless of how that's worked out. Um, he went to, to an SEC school and he – gained their acceptance as a leader right away, but he didn't really catch 
hold as far as like his his talent and and as far as like his ability to quarterback that team until his senior year and that's when he just exploded onto the scene with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator but again it's a tougher a, a tougher uh conference he's playing with uh yes he's probably playing with more talented teammates Joe Burrow had small hands too, and he even joked about it that he should retire when they found out his hands were measured at nine inches. But uh, let's you know, let's segue into the measurements here. Kenny Pickett's hands are said to be smaller than that. So what happened today? He did not participate in the hand measurement, and I've never heard of that. He's got a double jointed thumb, apparently. So don't. That's what the report was. So that so he's doing exercises. So that his thumb doesn't bend backwards as far, which apparently affects the way his hands are measured. Um, Dane Brugler and other people have informed us about this throughout the season. Dane, Dane said today, reiterated that Pickett has been measured by scouts at eight and a quarter inch hands. Now that's, like I said, Burrow was, was nine. That's still three quarters of an inch larger and the cutoff not the cutoff but the threshold that scouts like is usually about nine and a quarter and they don't really like to go below that they will they'll make exceptions they're going to make an exception with this guy with Pickett, but it's it's just fine to me like everybody knows you have small hands dude just get measured get it out of the way but i guarantee you he's going to do some of that that uh those hand exercises those hand massages that we saw brandon allen do a few years back i think it was 2016 where he helped between the senior bowl and, and the combine helped kind of juice the hand measurement. So we saw, we've seen guys, you know, be able to bump up their testing. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe some guys carry around dumbbells so that their arms get longer before the combine. I don't know, but this is funny to me. He skipped it and it's like, you know, Kenny, bro, we know they're small. <laughs> Other uh, other interesting measurements coming out of the Senior Bowl. Um, Let's talk about Calvin Austin. Yeah, Calvin Austin measured at five seven and one hundred seventy three pounds. I think he's, he's the smallest the smallest guy there. He's got bigger hands than uh, than Kenny Pickett though. So. <laughs> right, right. He had nine nine and one eighth inch hands. At five foot seven. So just to give you some perspective, just to put put things in context, you've got a receiver's five foot seven, even. Or no, I'm sorry, five foot seven and three eighths, with larger hands than than the six foot three quarterback. Uh, Abram Smith though had uh, much smaller hands. Actually, these are like the tiniest hands I've ever heard of. Yeah, um, he. He's the Baylor running back, linebacker, turned running back this year. And he clocked in pretty good size, 5'11", 213. But his hands came in at 7 and 5 eighths inch. And we don't talk about it a lot with running backs. Um, that's really small. Is that going to be a ball security issue? Do you think scouts are going to be concerned about that? Because I, I think as a, as a receiver – as a receiver out of the backfield, that's a little bit concerning. Yeah, I'd love to talk to somebody like Emery Hunt about that. And like, well, you know, I, I think Emery would probably tell you that, that, that you know he's he's famous 
famously said size isn't a skill. And I think he's, he's a believer in a lot of these measurements not mattering. But sure, uh, as, a, as a former running back, it would be good to hear what he thinks on that. Well, we do know, I mean, famously that the ball – is quite different in the NFL versus college. Just <laughs> it's got stripes on it in college. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you know, so. the interesting about Abram is uh, only 13 catches this year, only 14 ever in college. So it's not like they they threw him the ball. We can't really debunk uh, hand size mattering by you know pointing to him statistically there. Um, but that's it was shocking to see a measurement like that from a running back, a guy who handles a well, like he's he towed the rock over two hundred times this year, and uh, you know I'm gonna while you go go on I'm gonna look up and see if I can figure out his fumble numbers because that's pretty startling. Uh, Brian Robinson, the veteran running back from Alabama, measured in right at his numbers at Bama six one two twenty six. Bama listed him at two twenty eight. So I mean. Maybe he had a, you know, he, he he didn't eat a big breakfast today or something like that. But uh, nine and six inch, inch hands and 32 and an eighth inch arms. Uh, so, I mean, he could potentially move to linebacker if need be with that size, right? He's kind of a prototype of what you want from a, a running back standpoint. He's over 220, over 225, and then, you know, Long arms, that's going to help him in the receiving game. We saw him quite a bit as a receiver this year. He, he did very well. Um, big hands. You know, uh, back to Abram Smith, he only fumbled twice, so maybe doesn't matter at all. But what, what does matter, I think, is when these guys are next to each other in this kind of setting, who are scouts going to – you know, the, the bias in scouting is going to gravitate toward Brian Robinson. He's got all – the parts, you know, the, the height, weight, arm length, hand size, and he went to Bama. And he's got better stats, uh, you know, this year. So, Brian Robinson, he's a weigh-in uh, winner today. Abram Smith, I think, is a weigh-in loser. But I don't know how badly it's going to really affect his stock. I think he was already ticketed, in my opinion, and, and what I think is going to happen He's more like a day three, fourth or fifth rounder. I think Brian Robinson's going to go ahead of him. We've had some uh, big pass rushers weigh in today. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, the Georgia transfer, 6'4", um, 259 pounds with 34 and 3 eighths inch arms. Uh, and then Kingsley... Inagbari from South Carolina was a little smaller, 6'3". Uh, Just a little but shorter, but about Shorter, size, yeah. yeah. 261 pounds uh, with 35-inch arms. Yeah, that guy's got I, fines. Yeah, and, um, you know, when you look at it, it's one of the things we've, we've heard from – we've heard from scouts forever, you know, that they want – tackles with long arms and and now you wonder if this is this st- the start of the you know fight back from the defensive side of hey we got to get long arms too um now it is a little easier to attack with one arm 
playing defense as opposed to trying to block with one arm on offense. So, but yeah, those, those long arms are going to make, you know, a difference in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I think it's been a thing for a long time where people want that length, you know, when, when you see a, a lot of uh, prospects say like edge guys that measure in, so, you know, 33 is kind of like average for an edge. Um, if anything under that is where you start to hear the concerns, you know, and that's one of the rumors about Aiden Hutchinson, who's not at the senior bowl this week is that his arms are going to come in under 33 inches. So maybe he's walking around right now, skipping the senior bowl and just carrying a couple of a hundred pound dumbbells around in, you know, around a track to try and get those arm, arms a little longer before they go to uh Indy. But yeah, these two guys, you know, and Johnson, to come in uh, almost 34 and a half inch. He had a phenomenal season, 70 tackles, 17 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks. And Ibari kind of had a down year, just uh, seven tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. But this is where the, the measurables kind of help a guy like that who didn't jump off the screen to you as a, uh, you know, from a statistical standpoint this year. Arm length is something that we've discussed before with cornerbacks as well. And you look at a couple, Kirby Joseph, the DB wide receiver out of Illinois, measured in at six foot in, in a half inch, uh, 200 pounds with 10 and a half inch hands, but 33 and a fourth inch arms. So, I mean, he, he's not big, but he's super long. Yeah, and he's got he's you know he's played safety for them, and he kind of had a breakout year with the five interceptions. But when you have a guy measured this size, and we've seen this in the past, he over six feet tall, about two hundred pounds even, with the long arms. If he runs well, what are they going to do? They're going they're going to see if he can play corner. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he runs as far as the 40 time because uh, th- that's a player when you have a, a, a defensive back with those long arms back there, they're going to want to see if you can play outside and play corner. And it does happen from time to time. Uh, a guy that does play corner or that did play corner this year for Mizzou was a Caleb Evans. And he had a great day when it comes to the weigh-in. Uh, six, almost six two, just a hair under six two two oh one, uh, almost thirty two and a half inch arms. So if you're wondering anything over, you know, thirty one and a half, fine as far as defensive backs go. The old, you know, Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom model was to find corners with any with uh thirty two inch arms or longer. So this is a player who fits that profile, six two, thirty two inch arms. So again, these guys have to run well to really complete the package, but you know, they're in, in shorts, they're looking good. Uh, they have really, you know, erased any doubt in the scouts mind. They've got the height, they've got the arm length. We weren't, or oh, a couple guys that came in smaller than expected. Mario Goodrich, uh, six, just over six feet tall, 186 pounds, but 30 and a half inch arms. And then, a guy that you and I both like, um, and this is why it's one of those things you go back and you talk about it and you look at it a little more closely. Roger McCreary, 5'11". We knew he was going to be about 5'11", 189 pounds, but 29 and a quarter 
inch arms. Um, you and I were talking about it. That might be a guy that you can only play in a slot or, you know, if you're playing maybe a zone heavy scheme, right. Where you don't want to put him in a lot of man situations where he's having to battle guys, um, like, you know, T Higgins or, or Jamar chase in one-on-one situations with their, their frame and their reach. Right. It's some teams are going to, Completely not want him at all. They're going to say, you know, even though he's got decent height, um, you know, 5'11 is pretty good height for a corner. Those short arms are going to be a deal breaker for some teams. You know, these guys check. They, they literally check boxes. You know what I mean? So that's a box that's that's not getting checked. That's a red flag for some scouts. Now, I kind of think he's in a similar situation to Avante Maddox, who came out of pit a few years back. And he's had a, some good moments and some down moments uh, in Philadelphia. But another player who really looked like a, an excellent college corner, but then measures in small with short arms. And that's, you know, it pushes guys down in the draft. And so McCreary, who you've probably seen in first round mocks, he's not going to go in the first round. With these measurements, I, I really don't think so. Even though he's probably going to run a four-four or maybe sub four-four, but think about Maddox, little shorter. He came in at five-nine, um, so a couple inches shorter, but same kind of uh, build and arm length, and also very fast runner. Ran a sub four-four, but he dropped all the way to the fourth round. So look for McCreary. He's probably going to go somewhere in between there, maybe uh, second, maybe third round. But because it's it's going to be because of the demand, you know, if some teams are just out on him completely, other teams have to really love him to want to take him in, in that first or second round range. I just don't see it happening. Um, so I think it's, a, you know, it's one of those things maybe scouts already knew because they, they have some of these verified measurements. But now it's on the radar of the media and you're not going to see him in the mock draft in the first round anymore. A man that we had no question about his size, Daniel Fala Lele, um, 6'8", 387 pounds, 11-inch hands, 35 and 3 inch arms. I'm actually, I mean, it's not short by any means, don't get me wrong, but I was actually kind of surprised only 35 and 3 inch arms because he just, I mean, everything about him looks massive. Yeah, I think there's a guy we're going to talk about on Patreon this week when we, we're, we're going to talk about some guys that we are excited to watch this week. And there's one guy who has longer arms than this. But that's those are long arms. Don't don't uh, make any mistake about it. Um, this guy's 6'8". I mean, we just wanted to read these numbers out loud. 6'8", 387. Uh, you know my rule of thumb, though, Seth. This guy's a little bit too too big for me. I, See, I I almost wonder if he's an exception because he's uh, he's from New Zealand, I believe, right? Yeah, and he was a rugby player, so he's not like a. I mean, and and Orlando Brown's been really good, so I don't want to you know and to be taken the wrong way, but like he's not sloppy. No, like he is a very. Put together. <laughs> right. I was going to say that. And, and you know, uh, Bruce Feldman, if you uh, like to follow the freak list and, and those numbers, Feldman says he has a 29 inch vertical. 
Okay, so that doesn't seem like that would that would be terrible for a, a corner or a receiver, but for a guy who weighs close to four hundred pounds, twenty nine inch vertical is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, if he, I mean, if he even get, if he even sniffs thirty, that's an explosive guy for being yeah. that big. And you and I have talked about it. I don't know if he can play on the left side. He played on the right side in college, but his arm length and his initial quickness look like he might be able to play outside at right tackle in the NFL. And that's what Um, a lot of this focus this week is going to be on. Can he play offensive tackle? Can he play right tackle or does he have to be moved into guard? And the tricky thing about this is if you move him, I think he's going to probably stay at right tackle. The more I think about it, the more I agree with you on that. Because if you move him inside, you've got a guard now that almost the very few quarterbacks in the league that can see over top of this guy. Right. You're talking, you're talking, you know, Josh Allen. Josh Um, Allen might be the only guy on the list. Now that Roethlisberger is retiring. I mean, who is, who is that tall and plays that much? (laughs) That's going to be able to, maybe, maybe a Justin Herbert. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is, is real tall. Um, but, but there's very few guys. Yeah, well, there's very few six five plus quarterbacks. You can't right have Kyler Murray playing behind this guy at guard. No, no. If he comes to Arizona, he'd have to play right tackle. Like, yeah, there's absolutely. not a, there's not a, you know, and and it's you know, like you said, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, those guys, they they couldn't play behind him at guard. It no, would be a they, nightmare. You'd have to, yeah. There's, they would not see it coming half the time. Um, yeah, it's it's just ridiculous how big this guy is. I hope he has a great week because, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth on him. Um, you know, I, anybody who's listened to the show a long time knows that I don't really love um, when players get north of 330 pounds. They, they tend to have a higher failure rate. But if you can be a special athlete at that size, you know, if it – even at 330 pounds, if you have that kind of explosive lower body strength, that might go a long way. So, um, and he's, he had some decent, you know, like you said, he's got that rugby background. He might run and move a little bit better than, uh, you know, 99.9% of guys who ever even get within 50 pounds of what he weighs. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of these receivers and, and yeah, different our, reasons. Our... Our favorite, our favorite time of year when the when the Jags start to come out. Yeah, but I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, these. Well, one of these guys is, is going to be a Jag, but I wanted to talk about the first couple of guys. Uh, Dontario Drummond. He is a JUCO transfer. He went to Ole Miss. He became the go-to guy at Ole Miss this year, and he's an overage prospect. It's something that that uh, I mentioned before going back to our SEC preview. But he, I thought he had a good weigh-in. And I'll tell you what, he's six foot and one half inch, so just a shade under 6'1", 217 pounds, arm and hand kind of average size there, not, not uh, really consequential in terms of, of this guy's build. But I think when you talk about how players, how teams want to find a player who they can try and use, like Debo Samuel. I think this is a player who has that kind of build. Now, is he going to run as well? They say Drummond runs about four five, so I think Samuel ran about four four eight. 
but he's got that he's got that running back body and a receiver, and he was a productive player. Now, this would be like a discount situation. I'm not I'm not saying he's as good of a prospect at all as Debo Samuel because he's you know he's going to be 25. He's only a year younger. I think Samuel right. just turned 26. But um, I thought that Drummond's weighing, and he was listed at six foot two fifteen. So it's no, this is not surprising whatsoever. But you look at his numbers over the last two years: fifteen touchdowns in his last twenty-one games, uh, over a thousand yards this year. He did run the ball a little bit for Ole Miss, only six carries for forty yards and a touchdown. But he's a player I think that you could put in that role now. As, uh, as our friend Brandon Howard has said on Twitter many times, uh, there are a lot of players out there you could put in the Debo Samuel role. It's just that teams have been reluctant to do so. So I tend to not think – I think Debo Samuel is, is an incredible player, but I don't think that's a unicorn out there because I think other players could do that, but they're not being asked to do it. And so when I saw Drummond's way in, I, I immediately thought of Debo because that's about the same size as he was coming out of college. And uh, San Francisco just started using him that way this year. So more and more teams always, uh, we say it's a copycat league, and more and more teams are going to try and find a guy like that. Jalen Tolbert's one of the guys that it, I don't know how much it changes what you think of him, but it, Two inches shorter than what he was listed at. Jalen listed at 6'3", um, 190, came in at 6'1", um, a little over 6'1", and 195 pounds. I, you know, I was talking to people about Jalen because I said, you know, if you're, if you have a third round comp pick or, or even like a, you know, and you're, you're below that 75th pick, I like Jalen Tolbert quite a bit. Now, I, you know, what he, <clears throat> what he runs will be interesting here. Um, but he kind of reminds me of Gabriel Davis out of UCF, coming out of UCF. And Davis was, a little bit bigger at 6'2", 210, but he only ran a 4'5", 440, and uh, he went in the fourth round. And he wasn't as productive um, as as what has been at, um, at South Alabama. So the big thing with Tolbert is just the, the way South Alabama lied to us about his height. Uh, telling us he's six foot three, and he's only six one. Okay, but I'm not too concerned about the measurables here because this is a player. I like the Gabriel Davis comp because of what Gabriel Davis did in the playoffs. It, it was incredible. But um, Tolbert, he is supposed to be another freak athlete type of guy. You know, he's supposed to be a player that has. Yeah, I believe he ran a four five some. Uh, four or five and change coming out of high school. You can project some improvement there. Uh, 40, as, as I mentioned uh, numerous times this season, it's universally thought to be the easiest test to improve through training. And then I think he had a vertical somewhere around the 40-inch range. So this is a player. He's got some explosiveness to him. I really liked him last year. I think it's kind of telling that he didn't come out as a junior 
he felt like he had to come back and work on some things. So that makes me think he wasn't projected to be a top first or second round pick. So the Gabriel Davis range, fourth round, I think that is it where you're going to see Tolbert go. But he's got that kind of, because he's not as tall as they said he was, he does have that kind of just a guy, that jag receiver size at 6'1", 195. But he's going to have better athleticism than that. That's going to help separate him from a pack of guys when it comes time for the combine. But like we said, those numbers are always concerning until they do run. Khalil Shakir is is the guy we were going to talk about, though, that came in as just a guy measurement-wise. Right. Uh, I think when you look at his measurables, 6 foot, 193 pounds, that's fine. Only 29-inch arms, though. He's got very, very short arms for a guy that's six feet tall. And I think that's something where scouts look at that and they say, all right, we got to play this guy in the slot. Yeah, and I can see that, um, you know, you've got and, – and it's such a valuable position in most NFL offenses sure. now that it's – Right, that's not even a – that's not even like a, it's not a dunk a on the guy. Right, yeah. it's not even a knock anymore. It's just a, it's just a different guy, uh, a different position group. I mean, hell, the Cardinals have drafted three in the last four seasons. So, <laughs> consider this too: Sh- Shakir coming in one ninety, so he was uh, one hundred ninety three pounds. So he's fifteen pounds up from where he was at the opening when he was one hundred seventy eight pounds. He ran a four seven five. He had a thirty one point six inch vert. And a four three eight short shuttle. Shuttle times are so volatile. I wouldn't put much stock in the high school shuttle times at all. But you look at the forty. You look at the vertical. You can project some improvement because you've got some, you know, some change in, in uh, body mass. You know, you, you guys tend to add muscle. Receivers tend to add muscle. They tend to improve the athletic testing. But you're not going to see a huge improvement from those numbers. So maybe Shakir runs in the four fives. Four, four mid four fives, uh, maybe with a you know thirty four, maybe thirty five inch vertical. But even if he gets those those numbers, you're, that's where you're talking about. There's going to be a huge pool of receivers with similar measurables, and that's why we we call them Jags, just the guy receivers. You know, and everybody likes to talk about the unicorns and you know the Antonio Browns and the uh, uh, Jarvis Landrys that have been Pro Bowl guys that come out of there. But you also have to look at where they were drafted and, and what they're asked to do. And, you know, I bring up two different guys that were built similarly, um, tested similarly. And then Landry went on to be, you know, a guy that's a, he is a volume slot kind of possession receiver. And then you've got Antonio Brown who produced, you know, became one of the, you know, better big play guys in the NFL. Um, and they did it in different ways. And, and so, Yes, you, it's not that these guys won't be good or anything like that. It's just that you've got to find what you know makes them valuable and what can make them the guy to to take that that risk on. Um, and, and so you know, each one, like you said, if if Shakir ends up as a as a slot guy, does he bring that you know underneath toughness and and that you know fearless mentality um to to the field and is that a guy you want in that position yeah i and that's going to be the question that 
that teams are going to have. We'll see what he does in the one-on-ones this this uh, week. Slot guys or guys that project the slot tend to do very well in the senior bowl one-on-one setting. Um, but yeah, I just think that if you're looking at, you know, it's I know it's old school, but scouts do care about those measurables, and it's going to be hard to project, you know, a six foot guy with short arms who doesn't you know doesn't blaze a trail down the sideline to project him as an outside receiver so i think you're looking at probably a late round player and i know that shakir is a player that a lot of draft nicks like uh quite a bit he's productive in the mountain west but this is a this is a disappointment for him there's no question about it and regardless of what you think whether you think these um, numbers matter or not to to many many nfl scouting departments they do matter and it's going to be a knock on him. You got a hot take for us before we get out of here? Sure. Let's take a look. Um, well, we had a couple of big uh, tastemaker type of mock drafts come out last week. Among those was uh, Dane Brugler for The Athletic. And Dane Brugler, uh, he had a very interesting and, uh, to be honest, shocking number one overall pick. And that was Ikem Ekwonu from uh, NC State going number one overall to, to the Jaguars. And the hot take is not the pick because Dane, he had his reasons for it. And we, we all know that Ekwonu is a player who's skyrocketed up draft boards this year. He's been in the top five of mocks for months now. But PFF Bet tweeted this out. Apparently, Dane is such a tastemaker that he moved the betting odds. Ike McWanu's odds to be the number one overall pick moved from plus 10,000 to plus 500 after that mock draft came out. Is that shocking? I mean, you, you, you do a little bit of dabbling in the, in the gambling world, Seth. Is that pretty shocking? Yeah, that's a massive move. That's a huge shift. Um it's one of those where you look at it and you go, "Hey, uh, I would throw fifty bucks or twenty five bucks on on Equanu at plus ten thousand, right? I mean, twenty five mm-hmm. bucks, you win twenty five hundred dollars on a on a bet. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but to see him move all the way up to plus five hundred, I mean, now you're talking about a hundred dollar bet to win five hundred dollars, and I don't know. I, I I can honestly tell you, I haven't even looked at the the futures prospects, but I would assume that makes him the favorite, wouldn't it? Or or right at the top of the favorite list? Uh, I don't. No, I don't think so. I think you're gonna. Uh, you know, that's a good question. But um, let me pull up my handy dandy uh, gambling app yeah, right now odds. and see if we can, if there are even odds for this. Um, I don't even know where. Let's see here. But, yeah, I mean, it, that's a huge move. I feel like plus 500. I mean. So, Aiden Hutchinson is. No, he's plus so, 135. Yeah. Kayvon Thibodeau is plus 160. Evan Neal's plus 275. So, Iquanu's now fourth. fourth which which is, puts him way ahead of fifth place. Kenny Pickett, the fir- the quarterback. Yeah, plus thirty five hundred. I mean, <laughs> he was down with Malik Willis. He, I mean, he was below guys like Charles Cross, Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley. Um, 
he was on par with guys like George Karloftis and Sam Howell and Nicobe Dean. Uh, so that's, I mean, you want to talk about a massive move? That's that's a that's a just a a huge change in what people thought of his value. For my money, I would take the Aiden Hutchinson plus one thirty-five bet. Uh, Seth, are you going to put any money on Quanu going uh, number one overall? No, I'm going to uh, hedge, and I'm going to take. Uh, I'm actually going to take the other offensive tackle, Evan Neal. Evan Neal plus um, two seventy-five. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and so you know, just. I know the guys that you and I talked to about the Jags. One, they think it's Neil right now based on it being Trent Balky because they don't have a head coach. So it makes it really <laughs> difficult to even get a feel for anybody. Yeah, who knows what's going on with that, that coach and search. That's a topic for another day because um, we have thoughts on that. But uh, So maybe one of these days we'll get into it. But um, – my suggestion is if you want to bet money on Ike McQuonu to go number one overall, how about you just take a fraction of that money, two bucks a month, subscribe to our Patreon where you can get a free, where you can get a bonus episode every Thursday or Friday. And uh, if you want to knock it up to four bucks a month, you can get the articles and the rankings that we're going to do throughout the draft season as well. Um, it's probably a more economical way to spend your money than betting on a Quonu number one overall. Although this might end up being my hot take when all is said and done. <laughs> right. So anything else before we get out of here, man? No, sir. Thanks to all our listeners. Keep uh, downloading, subscribe to the show, tell your friends. We're talking draft. We're talking uh, senior bowl. And we'll probably recap this thing uh, next week because we've got, uh, we've got, we're going to have a lot to recap with the shrine bowl and senior bowl, both having their games this week, we'll know really, uh, we'll have a really good idea who the risers and the sliders are. Yep. That'll be it from us. As Justin said, check out our Patreon. You can subscribe for two or $4 a month. That's right. Just two or $4 for one month access. Uh, or you can listen to the free episode every week and, uh, send, uh, send us suggestions, send us questions, and we're happy to, to answer them for you. We'll be back later this week with our Patreon episode. Have a great night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2. A month for our bonus episodes, four dollars a month for all additional content, something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read, yeah. That's it. Right there. So, 